Well, today we're concluding our message series on spiritual warfare. This is our last message in the series. Next week, we begin a new message series called Basic Training. And I just want to talk about that for a minute. If you and I are engaged in spiritual warfare, then we need basic training. Uh, we're soldiers in the Lord's army, and we need to understand uh, how to carry out our duties as soldiers in that army. So invite a friend to our new basic training message series beginning next week. But today, our last message in the spiritual warfare series is it's called Standing Firm. I believe that the Bible teaches us that spiritual warfare is going to intensify the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, there's certainly been instances of, of serious and difficult spiritual warfare down through the centuries, but I believe it's safe to say that worldwide, we are currently in the most intense spiritual warfare between the church and the world, or the church and the devil, that has ever existed in the history of the world. Today, as never before, the world is connected into a common culture through the communication channels of the internet. And so the spread of both good and evil through the networks around the world is now occurring at light speed. And we're seeing things change and events happen in greater rapidity than has ever happened before. The opportunity to influence myriads of people is available to literally billions of people who can send their message out over the internet in one form or another, a message either for God or a message for Satan. So what can we expect regarding spiritual warfare in the last days? Now, I just want to remind you that the Bible teaches us the last days is the time between when Jesus rose from the dead and when he's coming again. That period of time the Bible calls the last days, and so you and I are living in these last days. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says, and I'd like to uh, remind you in your bulletin, is a white page like this. It has the outline written out on it with the scriptures. I encourage you to take that out. You can take some notes if there's room. There's a lot of scriptures on there today. I have to write small. Uh, on the back is a, is a uh, questions, and these questions are for your own personal study, and some of the life groups will go over those as well this, this coming week. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times in the Greek, it means troublesome, it means hard, it means violent times. And so the last days are not going to be, are not going to bring us peace on earth. The last days are not going to be a blissful paradise. That's not going to happen until Jesus returns again. And so these terrible times that we are living in and are becoming increasingly uh, times of spiritual warfare are those times in which we need to be alert. Uh, we need to be following our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. What are people going to be like in the last days? 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. 
And so here we have descriptions of what people are going to increasingly be like in the last days. We see, we, we see 18 descriptions of unbelievers in the last days. And we don't have time to look at all of these descriptions or adjectives. But first of all, people will be lovers of themselves. That's the first one that's mentioned. And that really is the essence of sin, is it not? People who love themselves. They're self-centered rather than God-centered. The Greek word for the phrase without love, people will be without love, means lacking normal human affection, particularly with respect to parents for children. And so in our day and age, in the last, what is it, 40-some years, abortion is an example of mothers actually killing their unborn children without love, lacking normal human affection. And finally, they are lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And we see that all around us. How should we respond? Verse 5 says, have nothing to do with them. And so the people that have the characteristics that we've just described, that have been described in, the, in this letter of Paul to Timothy, are, in some sense, they're dangerous to be around. Their influence is corrupting. They bring temptation. And so the sin that we see around us must not be affirmed. It must be opposed but you may say, well, aren't we supposed to witness to people like that? Surely they're lost. They need Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at another couple of verses just back in the previous chapter. 2 Timothy 2 says, Those who oppose him, context is speaking of a believer, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so these verses tell us that those who oppose us as believers, we are to gently instruct with the aim that they might repent, turn from their evil ways, turn from their sin, and ultimately be saved. And so we see two kinds of people, somewhere to gently instruct, as there's hope of repentance, and others whose hearts are so hardened that we are simply to have nothing to do with them directly. And so God needs to give us wisdom in how to deal with different people, to stay out of arguments with people who are totally opposed to the gospel and yet gently instruct those whose hearts are open that we might bring them into the kingdom of God. Today we're going to be looking at a passage from 2 Thessalonians 2 as our main passage to learn more about standing firm in the last days. The last days we mustn't be deceived. Beginning in verse 1, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. So in the last days, the Bible warns us in numerous places that there's going to be an enormous increase in false teachers, people teaching the wrong things about God, teaching the wrong things about the Bible. Now, false teachers aren't simply believers that have a few things mixed up. In some sense, we all have a few things mixed up. We all have a ways to go. But false teachers have major teachings of Scripture and error, major things the Bible teaches. In this case, the false teachers were teaching that the day of the Lord, or Jesus coming back to this earth, had already happened. And this was confusing a lot of the believers. It's like, if Jesus has come back again... 
I mean, why am I still here? Why has nothing changed? This, this does not make sense. And they're getting all confused. They didn't know what to do. And Paul said that the day of the Lord hadn't happened because the rebellion had to come first. Verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. What's this rebellion? What's he talking about? Well, the term rebellion in the Greek is the word apostasia. And it means a falling away or an apostasy. In other words, the rebellion is where many people who were part of the church, who claim to be Christians, will fall away from the true faith. Even though they may still claim to be believers. But they've fallen away from the true teaching of God's word. And even now, we see apostasy increasingly, increasingly being seen in our world, in our day. And it will continue to grow. Next, Paul says, The day of the Lord has not happened because the man of lawlessness must first appear. He says, And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And so at some point in history, shortly before the return of Christ, a leader of the apostasy, a man of lawlessness elsewhere called the Antichrist, will appear. And of course, for him to appear, the rebellion and falling away must be a major thing happening all around the world. And people will then give their allegiance to the man of lawlessness. And so these two things, the rebellion and the man of lawlessness, must happen before Jesus comes again. So don't be deceived by those who say Jesus has already returned. Now you might say, well, Pastor Dan, why would anybody say that Jesus had already come? Well, there's many false teachings about the end times in our day. Jehovah's Witnesses, many churches in the St. Louis area, teach that Jesus returned already in a secret coming on October 1st, 1914. Before that date, it was supposed to be his public coming. But when the date came and went and nobody saw anything, now it is his, was his secret coming. The Mormons' book say that near the time of coming of Jesus Christ, the Mormon church right across the street, the faithful saints will build a righteous city, a city of God called the New Jerusalem. And do you know where the Mormon books say this city will be built? In Missouri. Yeah, that's what they believe. The New Jerusalem will be built in the state of Missouri. So there are all kinds of false teachings about the end times and the return of Christ. There are also many other kinds of false teachings that are increasing in our day and time. Part of the reason that false teaching is increasing is that people's understanding of the Bible is really at an all-time low. If you, Many polls have gone out, these tested people's understanding of basic teaching of the Bible, and every year, people's understanding goes down. Not only is the average person's understanding of the Bible low, but that translates into the understanding of, Bible, of the Bible by pastors is also low. Pastors and Christian leaders with the largest followings today are typically those who are the most entertaining and have the least theological training or understanding. And so what's the solution? The solution is to study your Bible so that you can rightly discern between truth and falsehood. So you can discern true teaching from false teaching. And I'd ask that you pray with me that we as a church will be able to, in the future, to offer more advanced training in God's Word 
simply listening to teaching on Sunday morning for 30 minutes isn't really going to get it done. Uh, it's very good, it's very important, but we all need much more. And uh, we pray that God would open some doors for us to offer more advanced training for people who want to move on in their understanding of God's Word. So listen to those teachers who teach the whole counsel of God's Word. So we mustn't be deceived. We need to understand that the power of lawlessness is going to increase. Verse 7. 2 Thessalonians, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And so we see that this power of lawlessness, which is going to culminate in a man of lawlessness or the Antichrist before Jesus returns, was already at work back in the first century when this book, the book of 2 Thessalonians was written. And this power of lawlessness continues to our day. What are we talking about? What is this secret power of lawlessness? Well, lawlessness is simply contempt for and violation of law, speaking of God's law. God's law spells out what is right and wrong. Not based on how we feel, but based on God, our Creator's assessment of what is right and wrong. So we've all heard about the Ten Commandments, things we should do, things we shouldn't do, right and wrong. And those commandments and other teachings of God on what's right and wrong are elaborated throughout the scriptures, both the New and the Old Testament. Now, as believers, we're not saved by keeping the law. We're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But every true believer does keep the law as they follow Jesus Christ. You can't be a believer and be lawless, following your own standard of right and wrong rather than the standard of God's word. Many of the laws of our country are based on the laws written in Scripture. But not every law in any country, let alone the United States, is based on Scripture. And when laws and rulings are made that are contrary to Scripture, those laws themselves are lawless and evil, even if they may be the law of the land. And so the power of lawlessness is going to increase. What's holding it back? Well, the church of course, the Holy Spirit in the church as well is restraining evil. Verse 6, and now you know what is holding him back. You're specifically speaking of the man of lawlessness, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. And so the church and believers, filled with the Holy Spirit, are keeping both this lawlessness, holding it back to some extent, and keeping this lawless man, this man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, from being revealed. How do they do that? How do we do it as a church, as believers? First of all, we expose evil. Church is supposed to be like a light in the dark world. We are to expose evil. We are to show what is wrong by shining the light of the truth of God's word. And so we speak the truth of God's word. What God's word says, we speak. We're not embarrassed to speak about what God says. We preach the gospel so that people are saved. So people are delivered from lawlessness. What's another Term for lawlessness is simply sin. Sin is lawlessness, operating with outside of God's law. Every unbeliever is governed to one extent or another by lawlessness. And so how do we have societies that function? Well, the laws of the state, when grounded upon the principles of God's word, keep lawlessness in check. And of course, the 
police force, when operating upon the godly standards, are agents of authority to keep lawlessness in check in our society and nations and should be respected and honored in that way. During this time, counterfeit miracles will increase. Because the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. And so when the lawless one or antichrist will appear at some point in history, he will display all kinds of counterfeit miracles done not through the power of God, but through the power of Satan. We can expect these type of things to increase as we get closer to the return of Christ and the revealing of the antichrist. Many will be deceived. Verse 10, And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. And so what are the characteristics of those who are perishing, those who are not saved? First of all, they are deceived. They're deceived by the lies of Satan. Satan says the exact opposite of what God's word says. And people are deceived into believing a lie rather than the truth. It says they refuse to love the truth of God's word. They make a choice and say, I refuse to believe the truth. I've heard the truth, but I refuse to believe it. I choose to believe this lie. It says they delight in wickedness. They delight in living out a lie. They delight in living out lawlessness. They embrace lawlessness. They delight in it. They promote it. They celebrate it. Calling the wrong right and the right wrong. And in the end, Jesus will destroy the lawlessness, lawless one. And then the lawless one will be revealed, verse 8, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor, splendor of his coming. And so when Jesus comes again, there's not going to be a big battle and we don't know who's going to win, Jesus or the Antichrist. Jesus is going to come and destroy him completely. It's going to be all over the Antichrist. Demonic, the demonic followers, Satan himself, and all unbelievers will be cast into the lake of fire or hell for eternity. And so today we see this lawlessness growing around us at an exponentially increasing pace. I want to just make a few comments about what's happening in America, but the same things are happening all around the world as well. Because all countries now are so tightly connected by the communication channels that we have that have never been available in the history of the world that things happen kind of simultaneously across the world. First major lawless event I want to highlight happened in America. Let's say 40 years ago, 1973. The Supreme Court ruled that abortion was legal and protected by the Constitution, thereby legalizing the murder of an infant by its own mother. First major lawless event uh, in America happened recently. The second major lawless event happened on June 26, 2015, when the Supreme Court ruled that the Constitution guaranteed the right of same-sex or homosexual marriage. Watershed decisions. Both of these decisions were lawless decisions. 
They were lawless decisions with regard to the truth of God's word. And they were also lawless with, with regard to the Constitution. There is no right for abortion. There is no right for the homosexual marriage uh, in the Constitution. How has the church in America reacted to these decisions? Well, some are speaking God's truth, some are silent, and some have embraced these decisions. Churches and denominations that embrace those decisions would call themselves pro-choice or gay-affirming. And we are seeing more and more churches like that these days. God's word would call them apostate or lawless. No true believer should belong to churches that embrace lawless decisions such as these. Now, as a believer, as a church, it's easiest just to keep silent, isn't it? Don't say anything. Just let people do what they do and don't speak out. But God's word commands us to be bold, commands us to teach the truth of God's word, to expose evil and lawlessness wherever it, wherever it exists. You see, the problem, if people think that wrong is right, how can they repent of the wrong? They can't. They won't because they think it's right. And if they can't repent, they can't be forgiven and so they can't be saved. And so in other words, we need to stand firm on God's truth. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 15, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. And so the passage begins in verse 1. It warns believers not to be easily unsettled, not to be shaken by false teaching. And here we're commanded to stand firmly on the teaching of God's Word. The truth of God's Word is an anchor that helps us determine what is right and what is wrong. It teaches us that we're saved through God's Spirit and through the truth of God's Word. Verse 13, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved. How? Through number one, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and number two, through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that we might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so notice again these two aspects of salvation that are mentioned in this verse, in these verses. First of all, we're saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural work of God that works inside of us. It convicts us of sin, leading us to repentance, turning away from our sin and putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is how people are saved. People are not saved simply by saying, hey, I'd like to go to heaven. Sign me up. Okay, that's basically what's taught in a lot of churches. How are we saved? We're saved by being convicted of the wrongness of our sin, repenting, turning away from that sin, and putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can say, hey, I want to go to heaven, and I'm just going to keep on doing everything I've been doing. It doesn't work that way. That is deception. Secondly, so we're saved through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Secondly, we're saved through belief in the truth. There is an absolute truth revealed to us in the Bible. That truth is not different for you than it is for me. That truth is the same truth for you, for me, for people on the other side of the world, 
for people in India, China, Russia, Iraq, Iran, Syria. I don't know all the countries of the world, so I'll stop there. But uh, it's true for everybody. It's true for people of all time. It's true for people in 2015, just as it was for the people of Jesus' day. Just as it was for the people of Abraham's day. And as we're saved through the Spirit and the truth of God's Word, so we must live and stand firm on those two things. We need to be in our day and hour strengthened in every good deed and word. Verse 16, May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And so this this whole chapter ends with a prayer for encouragement and strengthening. When you are engaged in spiritual warfare against false teaching and the lies that Satan puts out, you might become discouraged. And God wants to encourage you. It's exhausting to fight against the lies of the enemy. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we put out a post on our Facebook about a story that was put out by the Assemblies of God who, about a lady, a lesbian, who was delivered from same-sex attraction. It's a wonderful story. Uh, she was saved, delivered, and her partner was as well. And many, many people have been inspired by that story. We're getting all kinds of likes, but we're getting all kinds of very negative comments as well. If any of you have looked at the page, some of them are so bad they need to be hidden. Uh, As the owner of the page, you can hide things. People don't understand that. But it is exhausting trying to reply to all these things, saying the same lies over and over again, the lies that are repeated in our media day and night. We need God's encouragement, and we all need to stand up for the truth of God's Word. Not to condemn people, but to show people how they can come to salvation in Jesus Christ. We also need to be strengthened. How do we need to be strengthened? In every good deed and every good word. God has things He wants us to do. He has things He wants us to say. And we need God's strength. We need God's courage in order to do that. And so in these last days, God calls us as individuals and as a church not to be silent, as far too many churches are, but to show his love and truth in everything that we say and do. There are friends and relatives in each of our lives that have fallen for the deception of the enemy and various kinds of false teachings, either within or without the church. Many have dropped out of church completely. They're following their own desires. Others have become ensnared in churches that are no longer following the truth of God's Word. And God has put you in the lives of these people so that you can warn them of lawlessness, so that you can guide them back to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that if we do not warn those who are drifting away from the true faith, then the responsibility for their sin rests on our shoulders. God calls us to warn them in love and draw them back 
to a firm faith in Jesus Christ. So let's show God's love by speaking the truth in love to all those that we have influence over that we know, standing firm on the truth of God's word. The bottom line is that in the last days, spiritual warfare is going to become more intense. False teaching and lawlessness will continue to increase and deceive many. What is our guide to discern what is true versus what is false? It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together. God is going to continue to raise up true churches who are faithful to the Word of God to reach many more for Jesus Christ in, this, in these last days. And so I encourage you to stand firm with me and commit to being a bold witness for Jesus. With God's help, we can make a difference in our world for His kingdom. Today, if you're not sure that you're a believer, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, perhaps you prayed a prayer in the past and said, hey, you know, Jesus, I really would like to go to heaven. Seems like a nice place to go. The other place doesn't seem too hot. Well, I mean, it's, it's uh, maybe it is hot, but uh, I don't want to go there. I know how that came out. That wasn't in my notes. So... Uh, <clears throat> Seriously. But God wants us to be sure we have a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ based on repentance, turning away from sin, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray a simple prayer, A, admitting that we've sinned, turning away from that sin and repentance, committing our life to Jesus, believing that Jesus died on the cross, and then committing our lives to follow him. So I'd like to encourage you to bow your heads right now if you've never prayed a prayer like this before or you're not sure about your relationship with God, I'd encourage you to pray along with me in your own minds. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've done wrong things. I've sinned. I've been self-centered. I followed lawlessness, doing whatever I wanted to do irrespective of what your word said. I admit it. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. And so I repent. I turn away from those sins and I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to walking a different direction than I've walked before. I commit myself to following you and your spirit and your word rather than following my sin that I followed before. Help me to Walk with you from this day forward. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for warning us about things that are going to happen in the future and things that we're on the road to them right now. Forgive us for being silent and carrying on with our lives and hiding our light under a bushel as the world becomes increasingly lawless, as the people we know and love, our friends and relatives are being sucked into false teaching and lies of the world. And we have been silent for too long. Give us the courage to speak your truth in love to our friends, to our relatives, to our workmates, to our neighbors who are being deceived. May Life Church, God, we pray, be a prophetic voice for you in the end times, calling many to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.